0: So you're wrong, but whatever. (laughs) Oh, fuck you. take care of y'all chicken, We you ever gonna take care of y'all mantle. What the hell's going on out here? It's not me! It's not Let's go right now! It's Flexicution! Welcome into the Fantasy Flexicution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Palshotti, with me now and always is my boy, Kyle Settle. What's going on, man? What up, dog? So I have something interesting I wanted to bring to your attention. Bring it? I think that we have a new public enemy number one in fantasy football. Oh, gosh. I don't even know what this could
1: be pertaining to.
0: You're not going to like it because it affects a lot of people negatively. Okay. similar to how we hated Adam Gase and how we hated Matt Nagy. Oh, this is a person? This is a person. It's a human being. Okay. We're going to hate Joe Lombardi.
1: I, I can see that.
0: I We're headed down this path, and I know the NFL analysts are usually like a step ahead when it comes to analyst tendencies than fantasy football heads are. But it's going to slowly start to leak into our minds, especially in the offseason when people analyze why Justin Herbert had a down sophomore year. They're going to be like, what changed? And it's going to be Joe Lombardi and his conservative dink and dunk offense. And if he doesn't get fired this off season, we're in for another season of it. And that's when fantasy managers are definitely going to know his name. And he's going to be fantasy public enemy number one.
1: But at the same time, you could also say that his head coach, Brandon Staley, is like fantasy champion. Everyone loves having a Brandon Staley-led asset with how aggressive he is. And for me, I love how much he just relies on the analytics for everything. That's just sort of where my mind goes. So can we love Brandon Staley?
0: Oh, yeah. out loving
1: Joe Lombardi?
0: You can love his game day decisions, but in terms of how the offense is run and the game plan that they roll out there every week, I think that's, I mean, I don't want to overstep and say that I know something I don't, but I would assume the offensive coordinator is the, primarily, is the one primarily responsible for the game plan. And he has been so conservative. And it's kind of funny that we yeah. think of him as super conservative now when we had uh, Justin Herbert with um uh, guys i'm drawing a blank now uh the head coach you had last year
1: with uh anthony uh anthony lynn lynn thank you yeah oh, i was blanking too yeah, <laughs> has it already happened has we already repressed <laughs> anthony lynn from our memories because i'm fine yeah.
0: with it he's somewhere he's oh he's in detroit he's detroit yeah. yeah he's
1: turning deandre swift into austin eckler 2.0 yeah
0: that's the only thing he's good for i mean uh yeah. he's a great guy i mean <laughs>
1: Probably. I don't know. Maybe
0: that's what people say. Who knows? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You had, you had something you wanted to to mention, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I didn't want to put this in the recap, which is where I would usually put like these little nuggets that I find throughout the week. This one, I felt just like warranted conversation and perhaps dwell on it for a little bit. But after the Panthers win over the Cardinals, this Sunday cat teams are now 209 and 209 and 10 against bird teams completely split. The cats versus the birds. And I just think that's one of the coolest things i learned all week. I'm just going to let that sit there. You got nothing to add on that? (laughs) Come on, I put it in the show sheet. Give gave you plenty of time to do research on this. Well, I'm a fan of one of these
0: bird teams, so it's disappointing. I thought we had the edge.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's something you constantly track? Hey, how'd our feels, birds
0: do this week? It feels like the bird teams have been better. I mean, You got the Seahawks, the Eagles. Seahawks, uh, Cardinals, the Falcons went Eagles,
1: Falcons. But, I mean, the recently. birds, you got to think, like, that's the big, well, the Lions aren't doing anyone any favors. But you got the Bengals, who have just recently turned it around. You got mm-hmm. the Panthers. We've talked about that. Uh, what are some of those other birds? We did a full mascot power ranking on who would win in a fight a few months ago. I wish I still had that available. <laughs> yeah, you got
0: to pull it back up.
1: Who are some of these other bird te- or uh, cat teams that we're forget? Jaguars. You're right. Yeah, these these teams the have Jags. been terrible. Yeah, they must have got bad. like, they must have got off to like an, a crazy hot start, and now the birds are catching back up. That's the only way I could see this. Give me the birds and six. Give me the birds and six. Well, <laughs> you gave a lot of great insight on that, on the cats versus the birds. I appreciate it, but I think you're ready to transition us into the news.
0: Absolutely, let's get there.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! X Street, X Street, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale.
0: We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom cool goes the dynamite. All right, so the Ravens have released Le'Veon Bell, and I think we can uh, we can get the headstone ready. Le'Veon Bell is officially dead when it comes to fantasy purposes, and uh, it's, it was an interesting career. It, I think it's a lot. It's not as good of a career I think as people thought or think of when they think of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he only really had like two boom years. I believe it was 2014 and 2016. I know 2015 he had uh, like an MCL injury, and then. He had that one year that he took off because of the contract issue. Uh, yep. So his prime yeah. was really cut short, but it was a very impressive prime. I mean, he had a super unique run style that that uh hyper patient, but yet explosive runner that he was in Pittsburgh was awesome to see for those yep. years. Uh, so it is sad to see him go but this. This is probably the last stop in his career, don't you think?
1: Someone needs to go check on him. I, like I put it in the group chat. Like he went on Twitter and used it like it was MySpace and just start started venting everywhere. Hashtag washed. <laughs> Hashtag fell off. Slow. Bad rapper. Wasted talent. Clown. Greedy. Let down. Old. Overrated. Anything else? I'm forgetting. Le'Veon Bell, are you okay? Someone go check on him. Hey, you had a great life, bud. Like no one can stay playing running back forever of all positions at all. But yeah, everything you said holds true. He had a great prime. He had a three four year stretch there where he was just top of the game not a single weakness in his game honestly he was fast he was strong he could catch the football he had like you said the year he took off and I think it was the year prior to that he was suspended for four games uh, I think because of marijuana smoke weed every day and that was when D'Angelo Williams I think it was went on that run as his handcuff everyone liked to pick him in the last rounds and he was like the RB3 over those four weeks that Le'Veon Bell missed. but yeah great career Probably coming to an end. That is if the Rams don't pick him up in their all-in bid here in the next few weeks.
0: <laughs> Do they have the roster space or cap to even bring on a guy like Le'Veon Bell?
1: Why not? Go all-in. Keep pushing those chips in.
0: Yeah, they, How's that working out?
1: It's working out great so far.
0: <laughs> all right, over to New York. The Jets are going to be starting Joe Flacco this weekend. So Mike White, uh, we knew he had a short leash, but uh, not that short. I didn't think it yeah. Uh Joe Flacco is going to be starting week 11
1: yeah it just seems like the team thinks they give them a the best chance to win, and that's good because third place in the division is wide open, so you don't want to be losing any games right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's more important, a good draft spot or winning uh, your third game?
1: If we could only all strive to go five, eleven, and one, I mean that, that's the goal. yeah that's what everyone wants out of life.
0: Ties are hot right now. You got to get that tie. <laughs> All right, and finally, the last part of the news. I'll leave this one
1: up to you. Does my drum roll sound good? Sounds great. You're now talking to an official owner of an NFL franchise. That's right. Your boy bought stock in the Green Bay Packers, which, of course, comes with Chicago Bears stock, also making you a part owner of that organization. So really just a win-win that I now own two out of the 32 teams in the NFL. It's a good day for me. It's a good day for the city of Green Bay. I just wanted to flaunt that out for everybody.
0: Not to poo-poo on your parade or anything, but uh, I saw a tweet, and it was like, (laughs) the Packers just make up stock that they sell to people, (laughs) that they can't trade, they can't sell, they can't really do anything with it.
1: Uh-huh. It got so controversial on my Twitter timeline. Like it was really like 90% on the side of like Packers side and then just the 10% who just want to go out there and shit on everybody yeah, who's having wanna, a good time. Yeah,
0: they just want to ruin it. But it was
1: like there's there's two different ways to go about this. Like look what just happened to the Rams. Like Stan cranky just said, "Hey St. Louis, give me a billion dollars to build a new stadium or I'm going to LA." And then he goes to LA. Like is that what you want out of your franchise or th- how about the Chargers, also in L.A., just went through the same thing. It's like, hey, taxpayers, give me a tax increase and all this extra tax revenue for the city or else I'm gone. Green Bay instead just said, like, hey, we're not worried about taxing the city of Green Bay or anything like that. Let's just reach out to the fans. Let them help. Yep. So they do one of these first expansions that they've done in 10 years. So they're going to be adding on uh, something new to the stadium with this. It's the way they always do it. They just uh, in 2011 was the last time they sold and they built the town district, which is amazing. It's beautiful. It gives a nice little area there outside of Lambeau for everyone to have a good time. So I'm excited to see what they do with this one. And I'm excited to be a part owner.
0: Wow, man, you talk you're really talking like an owner. This is Well, uh, you saw
1: I saw on my timeline actually a few Packers players, including both running backs AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones bought stocks, so it's great. Uh, now they I think they can negotiate their own contracts from here.
0: Yeah, they just have their agent talking to themselves, saying, yeah, I something want like twenty that. million. I, I can only do nineteen uh, and half.
1: be frivolous, <laughs> right. I'm sure.
0: On to the week ten recap. Are you ready? Let go. All right. Starting in New Jersey, where the Jets get pummeled by division-leading Buffalo Bills. Mike White was brought back down to earth, but you have to hope that Zach Wilson adopts some of his take-what-they-give-you tendencies going forward. That was the one bright spot of Mike White's game. And such a poor game script, you'd think Michael Carter produced. But he was solid, you know, kind of underwhelming, like I said, but he was still solid in PPR leagues. For Buffalo, the backfield became even more muddled as Matt Breida got in on the fun. Avoid this backfield like the plague. I think that's sound advice at this point. And Stephon Diggs finally came through as we all knew he would. It was only a matter of time. You
1: now, you said it. Stephon Diggs returns to form a 46% target share for him, which he turned into eight catches for 162 yards and a touchdown in route to finishing as the wide receiver one on the week. Mike White had a rough going, so rough, in fact, that, like we said, Joe Flacco is expected to get the start under center for the Jets. Elijah Moore did score but hasn't been on the field for more than 60% of the snaps for the team since back in week two. Something to monitor for the rookie, the Wookiee ride receiver. <sighs> then a stunner in Washington as the football team wins 29-19 over the Buccaneers. The old man was just off his game as Brady finishes with just 14 fantasy points. That was behind Cam Newton on the week, who attempted just four passes. Leonard Fournette finishes with a 92% rush share and a 27% target share, erasing any doubt of his bell cow role, even in a negative game script. And his opposition, Antonio Gibson, finishes in the top 12 for the first time all season.
0: Yeah, this was Tom Brady's 57th multi-interception game. That puts him at 28th all-time on the multi-interception list, despite being first in games started. Also, it's the first time since he's thrown two interceptions in the first quarter of a game since 2012 against the Jaguars. In Big D, the Cowboys dismantled the Falcons early and route to a 43-3 victory. You have to go way back to the year 2000 for the last time the boys won by 40 or more points, and even further back to the year 1980 for the last time they scored 36 or more points in the first half. Dak Prescott, he now has 15 touchdown passes versus the Blitz. The next closest quarterback only has nine. He also has a season passer rating of 110.8. A
1: couple weeks ago, you declared Matt Stafford your MVP. I'm going to go ahead and declare Dak mine right now. He got a weapon back, Michael Gallup. He makes his return and finishes second on the team with a 15% target share. For the Dirty Birds, Cordarell Patterson was finally game-scripted out as he saw his lowest running back rush share of the season and a target share of just 7%. He is dealing with a sprayed ankle and is unlikely to play but will be a game-time decision on Thursday Night Football. Next up to Nashville, where the Titans get the win 23-21 over the New Orleans Saints. Marcus Johnson was what Julio Jones was supposed to be, finishing with 100 receiving yards on five catches. Deontay Foreman took over as the lead back over Adrian Peterson, holding a 48% rush share to Peterson's 35. And on the other side, Mark Ingram slid right into that Alvin Kamara role. Finishing with an 88% rush share and a 21% target share.
0: Those Titans were outgained in passing yards, rushing yards, had fewer first downs, had a worse third down efficiency, but they had more time in possession and won the turnover battle. We know how important that was as they won that game. They now have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. To the heartland where the Carson Wentz-led Colts hold on to beat the Jags 23-17. to The Colts should change their name to the Indianapolis JTs because Jonathan Taylor is your dynasty RB1 and it isn't even close. Over the past six weeks, he's averaging 20 rushes for 127 rushing yards, four targets, almost 40 receiving yards, and 1.3 touchdowns per game. Oh, and he plays New England, Arizona, and Las Vegas in the fantasy playoffs. He is a league winner. Marshall Wentz is still bad, and so are the Jaguars. All of
1: them. <laughs> What a cheap shot. Sunday marks seven straight top ten performances for JT. His 24% target share was a season high. I agree on all fronts. The Dynasty RB one and a potential league winner for 2021. Dan Arnold saw 20% of the targets from Trevor Lawrence, but the day's most targeted Jaguar, LaVisca Chenault. He turned his team-high eight targets into a whopping three catches and 15 yards. Who? Next up, our first tie of the NFL season, the Lions and Steelers kissed their sister as DeAndre Swift's career high in rush attempts entering the game was 16. He had 33 on Sunday, which he turned into 130 on the ground. The Lions running back room already without Jamal Williams could be down Jamar Jefferson moving forward with an injury. And for the quarterback Jared Goff, he is in danger of missing this week, so make sure Tim Boyle is headed off of all waiver wires in two QB formats. For the Steelers, it was actually Ray Ray McLeod, largest beneficiary of the absence of Chase Claypool. He had a 25% target share. Pat Fryermuth maintained lead tight end duties even with Eric Ebron back. He saw 62% of the snaps for the Steelers compared to just 33 for Ebron. Big Ben paced on the COVID list before entering the game. He's in danger of missing this upcoming week against the Chargers.
0: Godwin Igwe Buick is the next man up to play second fiddle to DeAndre Swift if Jamar Jefferson misses more time. This is basically. This was a throwaway game for the Steelers, in my opinion. Ben and Chase Claypool should be back shortly. Look for things to get back to normal for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, we suck again, said Browns fans, as Mac Jones and the (laughs) Patriots put a muzzle on the dog pound, 45-7. Baker was rough in this one. He's fighting a litany of injuries, but he isn't a contract year. His stock in the NFL and fantasy is dropping quickly. On the other side, Mac Jones has been a delight. He had a 142.1 passer rating, highest by a Patriots rookie all-time, and eighth highest by any rookie passer in NFL history. The Patriots are winners of four straight and own a plus 98-point differential, second only to their division rivals, Buffalo Bills.
1: Yeah, Mac Jones has just been outstanding under center. He has more wins in his rookie season than the rest of the NFL's rookies combined. And with a less crowded backfield, Ramondre Stevenson took the lead with 69% of New England's carries, very nice, and added a 20% target share. Mac Jones, three touchdowns and four incompletions on the day. Most importantly, Jacoby Myers, he scored a real-life touchdown we told you way back in week two it was coming took a little longer than expected but he did it he punched it in for six baker left the game early like you said considered day-to-day with a knee injury more salt in the wound is dpj anthony schwartz and jarvis landry all dealing with injuries going into week 11. Next up, the Lavender Larrys get the win over the Chargers, 27 to 20. The squeaky wheel got the grease as Justin Jefferson commanded a 31% target share to the tune of nine catches for a buck 43 through the air. Justin Herbert's in the midst of a minor sophomore slump as he's held below 20 fantasy points for the fifth time this season and the third time in his last four weeks.
0: Yep, Justin Herbert had a passer rating of 72.5, marking the third time in the last month his rating has been under 75. Before that. He's only had one game in his young career with a rating under 75. Over to Arizona, where the Panthers beat the Cardinals 34-10. Without Kyler for a second straight week, these cards got beat down. Cam Newton returned and had a day scoring twice on limited touches. It was Cam's 44th game with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. Most such games by a quarterback in NFL history. Kyle, can you guess who's number two or three on that list? Lamar and Jalen Hurts. Wrong. It is Steve Young and Aaron Rodgers. Ah. Christian McCaffrey came back. He played 59% of the snaps, but that didn't stop him from taking his rightful place as an RB1, going over 100 yards and securing all 10 of his targets.
1: Christian McCaffrey finishes with more than 25 fantasy points, all without scoring a touchdown. That has only happened three times in the NFL this season, and McCaffrey's responsible for two of them. Cam expected to take most of the first-team reps in practice, putting him in line to get the start against the Washington football team. James Conner saw his usage dip, but only slightly as he scored double-digit fantasy points for the eighth week in a row. Kyler reportedly a close call on if he can suit up for Week 11. Next up, the Eagles get the win, 30-13, over the Denver Broncos. The Bronx did not have a wide receiver or running back who over 50 scrimmage yards, but did have two tight ends reach that mark, led by Albert O in his 77 yards through the air. Devontae Smith becomes the first Eagles rookie with two receiving touchdowns in a game since Week 10, 2014. Shoddy, who was that last Philly rookie to accomplish that feat? Jordan Matthews. Ding, 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 oh, ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 ding. It's been a while, so <laughs> I remember
0: that one. This is the third game in a row that the Eagles' offense has gone over 175 rushing yards. Last time they did that was in route to a Super Bowl victory in 2017. Jalen Hurts has definitely been better. He joins Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and RG3 as the only quarterbacks with 2,000-plus passing yards, 500-plus rushing yards, and five rushing touchdowns in the first 10 games of a season. On a snowy night in Wisconsin, the Green Bay defense stiffened more than Kyle was watching this game. They handedly handedly beat the Seahawks 17-0. Their Seahawks fell to 3-6, their worst start since 2011. Only six teams in NFL history have made the playoffs after a 3-6 start. Their leader, Russell Wilson, had a passer rating of 39.7, only the fourth time in his career that his rating was below 40. Also the 5th time in his career that he he has had a game with 0 touchdowns and multiple interceptions. With Aaron Jones out for at least a week, it's A.J. Dillon time in the frozen tundra.
1: Apparently, Russell Wilson is not unlimited as the Packers defense limits him to his fourth lowest career fantasy output of his career and zero points on the scoreboard. His opposition Aaron Rodgers held without a touchdown for the second time this season, an occurrence that only happened once in all of 2020. And as you said, A.J. Dillon proves that he is built for the Wisconsin winner, punching twice into the end zone and finishing as the RB1 on the week. The aforementioned Aaron Jones, week to week, expected to miss at least one with an MCL sprain. Now up to prime time, where the Raiders got dismantled by the Kansas City Chiefs 41-14. Hunter Renfro has seven or more receptions in three straight games, the longest streak for a Raiders receiver since Ronald Curry, weeks 14-16 through of 2006. Patrick Mahomes returns to form with over 400 yards and five passing touchdowns. More good news for the Chiefs is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, reportedly a good chance of suiting up this week against the Cowboys. Keep an eye on the news wire for that.
0: This was the fifth time in Patrick Mahomes' career with five-plus passing touchdowns since 2018. That's most in the league in that time span. It's also all, the only time in NFL history that a quarterback has thrown for 400-plus yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Closing us out in the Bay Area as the 49ers got up early and didn't let up, cruising to a 31-10 win over the Rams. It looked like Odell was going to have a nice night when he was targeted twice in the first drive by Stafford, but Stafford couldn't get out of his own way. OBJ finished with a typical Cleveland line for him of two catches for 18 yards. His new running mate, Cooper Cup refuses to slow down potting another monster day of 11 catches and 122 yards. On the other side, Elijah Mitchell sees a career high of 27 carries. Over his seven career games, he's seeing an average of 17 carries for 80 yards, but without a touchdown or an increase in receiving volume, his ceiling isn't all that high. On the right side, he has Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston for the fantasy playoffs.
1: Stafford throwing a pick six now in back-to-back games for the first time since his rookie season. The win comes at a price for San Francisco as Elijah Mitchell is apparently dealing with a broken bone in his hand. His status for Sunday is uncertain. And Debo Samuel joins Dwight Clark as the only San Francisco player since 1970 with 50-plus receiving yards in each of the team's first nine games of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo improves to 5-0 in his career against the Rams of Los Angeles. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be the starter for the rest of the year? Yes. You think so? Trey Lance doesn't even get a shot?
0: Maybe when they're officially um, out of the playoff hunt. If they're
1: officially eliminated. Yes. Right now, they have as good a chance as anyone. Because I think you have like six teams in the NFC off the top of my head that just seem like locks. But that seventh spot is wide open, and it could go to like a below 500 team like we've seen before. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was San Francisco. We talked about uh, last week you asked for underperforming teams. I thought San Francisco was one of them. Because I thought, or probably the highest one, because I thought they were just, they're an incredibly good team. They really are. Like, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, Jerry's out, but he can draw up X's and O's with the best of them. Their offensive weapons this year, that's the big thing, is their weapons have really took that step up from where they've been in years past. Like, it's not just George Kittle and whoever else can help out. Between Debo Samuel completely turning a corner in his career and just becoming that consistent elite threat, um, Brandon, are getting back involved? And then obviously the step up of Elijah Mitchell, like their weapons are among the best in the league now. And I think that's the big difference.
0: Yeah. I think actually the the big turning point for them was getting George Kittle back. He is a complete difference maker, even when the ball doesn't come anywhere close to yes. him. I mean, what he can do in the run. You won't game see blocking. it. in, in Yeah. He won't put
1: up fantasy points that will represent what he means to the San Francisco 49. Maybe that's something in the future that we could get is points for pancakes. And at that point, like, oh, holy cow, George Kittle would be the tight end one by a large margin. That man's in tight end
0: premium. He's the one on one. Oh,
1: my gosh. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If they can make it, sure. But I mean, there's the NFC is so top heavy. And like you said, there's a bunch of teams vying for that last spot. Um, If they do, in fact, get into the playoffs, I think you'll see Jimmy Garoppolo, run it until they get eliminated. But then after that, I can't imagine that they're going to let Trey Lance still on the sideline for his sophomore year. Um, So I think you can count on until they're eliminated from contention that Jimmy Grauble is going to be the
1: starter. So the NFC is so close right now. The number seven seed is the 500 Carolina Panthers. There is only one team that really is just doesn't have a chance in the next few weeks of getting there, and that's the Detroit Lions at 08-1. and 1. But the second-worst team right now, are all they're all 3-6. and It's not very far off from that 500 mark right now to get into the playoffs. That seventh spot could belong to anyone.
0: Yeah, I kind of hate that the Eagles have such an easy schedule because they're going to convince people that You're gonna they're sneak like in. better than they are. And they're going to be like, oh, Maybe, we got a yeah. chance to get a playoff spot. It's like, <laughs> yeah, shut up, dude. You guys are not good. You're going to beat up on the Giants <laughs> and the Redskins, and people are going to go nuts. I dig The
1: Redskins? It. I don't think they're going to beat them.
0: Oh, the uh, Washington football team. Jeez. <laughs> there we go. God, How long has it been? And I'm still saying.
1: Two years. No Redskins. They're going to change kids. their name eventually. Yeah. I mean, aren't they going to Get a mascot. It this off-season? It's ridiculous. Know. They said they were going to do it two years ago. That oh, It's just this one-year temporary thing. And then it's, oh, no, we're going to keep it for another year. I'm so tired of seeing the Washington football team everywhere. Get a damn mascot like everyone else. Yeah. It sounds like a soccer team. It really does. Sure. Washington the team. Washington football club.
0: On to the meat of our show, we're going to be doing Contenders and Rebuilders, Buys and Sells, starting with the buys.
1: Hey, hey. Bye, Felicia. Bye bye, bye. Bye, 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 Okay, I love you. Bye, bye.
0: Knock,
1: knock.
0: Uh, who's there? <laughs> bye, bye. 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 So I have contender buys this week. Uh, two weeks ago, I told you to buy Ryan Tannehill. And this week, I'm going to hit up another quarterback. This one being Matt Stafford. So this is as much of a go-by Stafford as it is a pat on the back for anybody concerned about Stafford going forward. So let's not overthink this. You know, I, I said it before. I think he's going to be the league MVP. Uh, he's shown us an, he's an elite quarterback for years. And a little slump like this isn't going to change my mind. That being said it's worth questioning how and why this slump is happening. So, first things first, they ran into a buzzsaw, uh, that being the Tennessee Titans. Those Titans just went undefeated against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, and Saints. I mean, that is as impressive as it gets in the NFL. Those teams have a combined record of 29-19, and 19, and they swept them all. So, they, they met a really good team at a really bad time. The next reason... Uh, he had a divisional game against the 49ers with his number two wide receiver being Odell Beckham Jr., who just came onto the team. He's been there for like two days before the game took place. Uh, and the wide receiver that he was comfortable with in that wide receiver two role, Robert Woods, tore his ACL and was out for the, the rest of the year. Uh, that's missed chemistry, and it was obvious on the first drive of that game. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So couple that with some bad luck in terms of timing on these throws, then and timing and tips and, and, and other things, he ended up with four interceptions through those two games. First interception versus the Titans, backed up in his own end zone, facing immediate pressure, tries to throw it away to avoid a safety, ends up going right to a Titan. Bad play. Just just a bad play. It looked like mm-hmm. Carson Wentz from a week before that.
1: Exactly sec- like Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: His second throw was late and outside. Uh, those words almost always mean interception in the NFL. And uh, so it was. Kevin Byard made a great play on that one. This was the worst performance by Stafford I can remember seeing in a long time. Fast forward this past week. It wasn't as bad as people make it out to be. Against the Niners, his first interception was miscommunication with Odell on a deep route. And miscommunication in the NFL, it usually ends up in a turnover. You don't really get away with those mistakes, uh, especially not in today's day and age with the amount of athleticism that you see on the back end of defenses. His next one was a short pass dropped by tight end Tyler Higby, bounced off his hands, went directly into the hands of Jimmy Ward, and he took it back for a pick six. That one was just bad luck. So I think what you saw against the Titans was just poor quarterback play by a good quarterback. It happens. Guys have bad weeks. as Tom Brady how the past two weeks have been. And then this week against the 49ers, divisional game, things got out of hand early. He was playing catch up from there on out. Just a rough game, some bad luck involved. So how in the world is he going to get over this? Well, it's by being who he's been over the past decade. I don't have to tell you how good Stafford was, but I can give you a little context uh, as to how he was next to his peers. Stafford has had multiple interceptions in 30 of 175 career games. That is roughly 2.7 times per year through his 12 and a half season career. Tom Brady, the GOAT, has averaged more multiple interception games per season through his first 13 season, almost close to three per year. So that gives a little bit of context as to one of the best, smartest, best decision makers, in most people's opinion, how he compares to Tom Brady. So six of those multi-interception games came in Stafford's rookie year, by the way, so the stats are a little skewed. In his career, he has a touchdown-interception ratio of 2.1. That ranks 19th best all time. His career passer rating is also 21st all-time at just over 90. So he's still a good quarterback. The historical averages show us his efficiency rankings all-time show us that even in 2021, let me me say that all. That's all fucked up. (laughs) He's still a good quarterback. He is still a good quarterback. The historical averages show us, and his efficiency rankings this year uh, show us that he's been great before this little slump. In 2021 so far, he's third in passing attempts, so the volume's there. First in red zone attempts, so touchdowns should also continue to be there. Seventh in deep attempts, those are high uh, high point getters, right? Big, deep connections mm. uh, mean a lot in fantasy football. He's first in passing yards, third in touchdowns, seven in true completion percentage. Not to mention he's throwing to Cooper Cup, who right now, breaking news here, he's playing record-breaking football. And they're on a Super Bowl hopeful team. This is not a bad team. They've had a rough few weeks, but they should get back on track. You got good coaching. You got good weapons. You got a good quarterback who has a history of being good. So I know this might be obvious, but if you still have a chance to take it or to to get Stafford, I think you should take it and, and go buy it right now as a contender.
1: <sighs> I don't know how I feel about this. Like it seems, if you if before the season you told me to buy Stafford, I'd be all about it because he's played I think for the first eight weeks. Better, even better than I expected, and obviously these last two weeks have just been terrible. He matched in Week 9 and Week 10. He matched his interception total for the whole season. In Week 9 and 10, he matched his sack total for the full season. And now they're going into a bye, so you really don't have a lot of time to sit and wait on this one. Next time he's going to see action is Week 12 against the Packers. And I am a little bit concerned, and it's starting to get make its rounds around Twitter right now, that the Rams are just the type of team that when you get physical, you get in their face, they collapse. And if that is the case, the fantasy playoff schedule, which looks good on paper, may not be so good. So weeks 15 through 17, you got Seattle, Minnesota, and Baltimore. Definitely not great defenses by any means, but at least with the latter two, Minnesota and Baltimore, they're two teams that can still put pressure on the quarterback and play physical as a defense, even though obviously some things like busted coverage are going to happen. It makes me worried about that matchup. And as far as the Seattle matchup, he's already played them once before this season, and it was... One of his four, I think it was his third worst fantasy performance of the week, or of the season so far, putting up about 18 fantasy points. So, ah, it's all there. The talent's there. The supporting cast is there. It's a good team. But I really want to see how these next few weeks... I really want to see the Green Bay game against a defense who's playing lights out. After that, he's going to rebound against Jacksonville. They're one of the worst pass defenses in the league. And then Arizona-Seattle, and then we're in the fantasy playoffs. So... Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're sold or you need quarterback help, I can get on board with this. I'm not going to jump out there, put my neck out there, and say that he's a must-buy. But if you can get him at a discount, if someone is going to take these last two weeks and they're scared off of him, then I'm perfectly okay with pulling the trigger there.
0: The way I look at it is they're going into a buy after two very bad games. Mm -hmm. And That's obviously well-timed. They need it. right? They need to regroup. They have new faces in the locker room. They need some time to get that chemistry built up. Between that, uh, just having a well-timed buy and having one of the better coaches in my opinion in the league, in Sean McVay. I know he was the new hotness a few years ago, and people have kind of cooled off on him. But I still think he's he's a very good coach, especially an offensive mind. So put that all together, plus the fantasy schedule, like you mentioned, these aren't just going to be, you know, blowouts where he could his volume could go down. It's also not going to be against great defenses. These could be potentially shootouts. I mean,
1: yeah, all three of them, I think.
0: Yeah. The Minnesota offense has been good. Russ is back for Seattle. Uh, Lamar has been phenomenal for Baltimore. He's throwing a lot more. Maybe you're looking at three consecutive shootouts. I mean, and, and Cooper cup, I, I can't say enough about how blown away I'm at Cooper cup. And Matt Stafford is getting every point that Cooper cup is getting, you know, obviously they're, they're connected. So it's in my opinion, it's just, it's too obvious to look at this and say, you know, that you're going to get him for such a discount. Like, I don't think you're going to get him for a massive discount, but I think he is an obvious buy because of what he's shown us before and what we have to look forward to, at least with everything that we have, everything that we know now, I think he has all the makings of, you know, a top three quarterback for the rest of the year.
1: I'll say this in order for this prediction to come true, someone not named Cooper cup has to step up. We've like, we've seen Matt Stafford when he has one target, even when it's an elite target, we saw him with Calvin Johnson, those teams didn't go anywhere in spite of how good Calvin Johnson was, in spite of how good Matthew Stafford was. like He needs someone else on this team to step up. And Robert Woods, like you said, was that security blanket. That needs to be Odell Beckham. That needs to be Tyler Higbee. That needs to be Daryl Henderson out of the backfield. Van Jefferson. Like Someone is going to have to step up outside of Cooper Cup. All right. Uh, you're, you're I think that hell. can go. <laughs> that can move us on to me. Week nine. I also went to the quarterback. I told you to buy to a tongue of Iloa and he immediately gets hurt as all my buys do. But then he came in in relief last Thursday night and beat the Baltimore Ravens actually had a pretty decent fantasy output on the day. I think he finished as like the QB 15 or something. So feeling pretty good about that one. Now, since you must be tired of hearing about quarterbacks, I'm going to change position and tell you if you're a rebuilder, now is the time to buy David Montgomery, and it is very seldom that you will hear me say buy a running back if you are a rebuilder, because running back should really be one of those last pieces to put on the kind of cherry on top of an already good roster just because the shelf life is so short. But David Montgomery, still only 24 years old, you turn a team around in two, three years, I think he's still absolutely going to be the type of piece that can help you win a ship. He's currently the running back 42, and obviously most of that is due to the fact that he's been inactive five of the last six weeks. He missed four games, and there was a bye week. In the five games that he has played this year, he's averaged 16.4 carries for 74.4 yards. Pretty solid on the ground. He's been slightly involved in the passing game as well, which I'm not going to sit out here and call him dual threat or anything like that, but he had a 17-game pace of just under 30 catches for the season. He was getting a little bit involved in the passing game. Now, if Tariq Cohen eventually comes back or they decide to use Darrell Williams a little bit more in that passing downs role, maybe we see uh, Khalil Herbert sort of find his way on third down. Those uh, Those catches might go away automatically like day one, so I'm not relying on that, which means for David Montgomery, It needs to happen with touchdowns, and for that, the offense needs to be better. If David Montgomery was playing in a top-10 offense, I have no doubt that he'd be a top-10 running back. His fantasy points are coming from the yards and the touchdowns because he's not a pass-catching back. The yards have been there, but the touchdowns will be reliant on the team's performance. Right now, what's happening is we're seeing Justin Fields take sack after sack after sack because he's not processing his protection the way an NFL veteran needs to. And Yeah, he's a rookie. That was sort of to be expected, right? But the sacks that Fields takes put Chicago in bad down and distances, which takes away from the run game. It moves them further and further away from the end zone, which again hurts David Montgomery and his inability to get in to the end zone. I do expect things to get better. I think we all expect things to get better because they can't get much worse. Right now, they're the second worst team in the NFC. The games that David Montgomery's been involved in this year have been a train wreck, mostly due to a transition at quarterback and just incompetent coaching that we've seen out of Matt Nagy. The Bears are averaging just 1.6 offensive touchdowns in the games Montgomery has played this season, due mainly to the fact that they're only putting up six or yeah, sixteen points per game as a team, weeks one through four. That offense was putrid. And we've seen a little bit of a bounce back this last couple weeks where they're starting to put some points up. But remember, David Montgomery last week was his first week back due to injury going into the bye. And the real reason that the offense has struggled outside of the coaching has been that offensive line. Like Fields just is struggling with the blocking assignments and handling pressure. And Jason Peters, his left tackle, he's two months away from turning 40. That's kind of ridiculous when you think he's blocking the best athletes on the field of those defensive ends and outside linebackers, those edge rushers. In my opinion, the best athletes on the field just overall. And you're relying on this 39-year-old tackle to keep their rookie quarterback upright. It's just not happening. There's issues that experience for fields and perhaps an influx of talent in the offseason will help improve. The Bears bring in some more offensive line help. They draft some more offensive line help. They get a new damn head coach in there, which I think everyone sees as a foregone conclusion Conclusion: who can actually scheme up some protections. Remember what a good head coach does is what Sean McVay was doing for Jared Goff in the first few years of his career where he was helping Goff because he realized that he wasn't processing things at that veteran level. So he was in his ear, in his helmet, helping him call out blocking, helping him call out protections. And I don't see that happening from Matt Nagy. If they get a good coach in there, it could happen. Happen like just what happens is the offense needs to improve so if you believe in the talent of justin fields and the offense eventually improving you should absolutely be buying into david montgomery he will reap just as many benefits as justin fields for justin fields improving
0: okay so you mentioned there that he has a 17 game pace of 30 catches on the year just about Um, yeah yeah so if justin fields starts running the ball a lot or do you, do you see that going down? I know that's a common trend. Like, are you afraid of that if Justin yeah. Fields continues to run the way he
1: has? I think those probably do go away in one way or another. I don't expect him to catch 30 passes on a season – any in any season, really. What I expect is for him to get that touchdown volume and just the positive game script volume that will more than make up for it. Like, you'd love to have a running back who scores touchdowns, who gets the yardage, who catches passes, but there's only a handful of those in the league and they're the ones that are going with the top five picks in your fantasy drafts. So David Montgomery's not going to catch those passes. I don't expect him to. I expect him to be around that 10, 15 catch per season type running back. But if he can score double digit touchdowns, put up 1,200 yards on the ground, you're not going to care. You're still going to have a top 10 to 15 running back.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I I never really liked David Montgomery, and it's always hard for me to get on board with him. He had really he had that really good run last year, um, and then comes back this year. Been hurt. It's kind of hard to have an opinion on him this year because of this situation. But you see, Khalil Herbert come in, and he looks really explosive. Right. Uh, J- Justin Fields is running the ball more, not throwing the ball uh, very well. The offensive line, like you said, has been miserable. They're probably going to have a new head coach. Uh, I pulled up his contract. He's a unrestricted free agent in 2023, still under contract next year. Um, yep. that, that'll be Khalil Herbert's second year. Maybe he gets more run. I'm just concerned about their allegiance to him with a likely new regime coming in and him being you know, one year away from uh, him being in a contract year next year.
1: So I was the same way as you when Montgomery came out. I just really wasn't sold on him, but- He's really just impressed me over the last couple of years. He looks like a completely different running back than I saw coming out of college. Just looks slow, unathletic, unable to uh, make defenders miss, and not great at breaking tackles. But he really seemed to just athletify himself over the last year or two. Like, he looks faster, he looks stronger, he looks quicker. Like, I've I've just saw improvement of him. And and that's something that's going to happen. Like some guys I don't like out of college. You don't like coming out of college and they just turn it around. Like there's several of these guys each year. And David Montgomery is one of them for me.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, I wouldn't do it because as a rebuilder, I mean, he's only 24. It's not, it's not old. Um, but by the time you're ready to compete, will he have a role in Chicago? Will he be somewhere else? Will he continue to be a workhorse wherever he's at? I don't think so. And, that's what's concerning for me because the contract situation, the team he's on now, uh, the lack of allegiance that I think that new regimes come in and have with, with, with players, especially players that aren't looked at as like franchise cornerstones. It's just I'm concerned about David Montgomery's immediate future. And as a rebuilder, obviously, that's what you're looking at first. So so you're wrong, but whatever. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> you ready to get into the cells? On to the cells.
1: Cell. So. What? What are they selling? Chocolates? What? No, no, no. No, take just Get it out of here. You can sell anything. Sell, sell, sell anything. me this f***ing pen right here. You can sell anything. Sell that. We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. Sell. So-
0: All right, I had contender sell in week nine, and I told you to sell Michael Carter. He immediately followed up that with a rough performance against the Colts, and then he had a nice little bounce-back week against Buffalo, Uh, but I still think that is sound advice if you still have Michael Carter and you can sell him, do so. All right. Now, I'm giving you a a little double dip here, okay, because they're on the same team, and they're getting a lot of hype this past week. And I think we need to cool our jets. And if we're contenders, we need to take advantage of this heat. So my two contender cells are Mac Jones and Ramondre Stevenson. So we just, Mm. you know, told everybody how great Mac Jones has been. And he has been, right? He went nuts this weekend, had the best game of his short career. He is a good quarterback. And I think he'll be a good quarterback for a long time. He might even be a top 12 fantasy quarterback one day but it's not now and I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. So Mac Jones is the QB 25 in fantasy points per game. So even with all this hype, I mean, he's still QB 25. Granted, it's his rookie year. He had some growing pains to get over. Trust me, I understand. His efficiency metrics come in at roughly bottom half of the league, as does most of his counting stats. But the narrative has been, you know, like, wow, Mac Jones, where did he come from? He's been incredible. Why did he go so late in the draft? And the crazy part is I, I kind of agree with that. He, he definitely should have been drafted higher. He's a great rookie quarterback. But it's a typical case of being better in real football than you are in fantasy football. He's been accurate with limited volume. That's been his number one um, saving grace as a rookie. He's been very accurate. right? Good decision-making, accurate thrower. But he's on a run-first offense through 22nd. In the league in pace, and this is working for them. Grant, like they've won four games in a row. Right. Mac Jones threw less than twenty-five passes last week when everybody was going nuts. Mm-hmm. He's benefiting from a top-five offensive line in football. I firmly believe that, especially when healthy, uh, they're fantastic. Then they're also one of the biggest in in general, one of the the meatiest offensive lines. So there's there's a nugget for you, and they're also the best coached NFL team. Hold on, did you
1: just say meaty and nugget in the same the sentence? Meatiest. Meat, meatiest, and meat. nugget. A meat nugget. Oh,
0: it's it. <laughs> like inception. I didn't even know that happened.
1: <laughs> a pun within a pun. Uh, so he, he's benefiting from the
0: best coaching the NFL has ever had to offer uh, with Bill Belichick. So let's keep that in mind. But with all that said, I mean, he's still only the QB25. And, and I think the biggest reason why contenders should sell is because of his built in handicap. He is essentially a zero. In the running game. He's a quarterback that does not run. He's a statue, right? He's what New England has had for years. And Tom Brady, when it comes to pocket movement, he's good at that. But he's not going to get you a first down on third and six by taking off running. Okay, So the game is changing, specifically fantasy. And the Russian quarterback will soon be a necessity to win your leagues. And Mac Jones, he's always going to be a player who's nice to have. Because like I said, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But I don't think he's ever going to be a win-you-a-championship kind of quarterback, especially not in single quarterback leagues. So I would trade him with this hype and with him still being a rookie and try to get a game-changing player. Now, hold off your rebuttal until I go through Ramondre Stevenson real quick. So Ramondre Stevens, if he's in the Patriots offense that I just told you is run first, then he should benefit, right? Sure, absolutely. He's a running back, run first offense, great. But when Damian Harris has been healthy this year, he's seen a 52.9% opportunity share. That's 27th in the league. Not great, but that's clearly the, the lead back in that offense. Ramondre Stevenson has seen a 31.9% share. That's good for third, 53rd in the league. Damian Harris has averaged more red zone touches, more goal line touch, a higher goal line touch rate than Ramondre Stevenson. He's had a higher touchdown rate. He's had a higher breakaway run rate. He said he has a better speed score and burst score, so he's just generally more athletic than Ramondre Stevenson. So why would I think that when Harris is healthy, that they're just gonna stick with Ramondre Stevenson and, and say, "Sorry, you lost your job. It's time to move forward with Ramondre." I just don't think that's gonna happen. But even if you think that's gonna happen, when had have, have the Patriots ever been consistent? With their backfield allocation. I mean, the moment you think you have a guy, you have the guy to own in a New England backfield, they do the opposite and destroy your hopes and dreams. I mean, anytime they have uh, a certain game plan, a game script, they'll throw the ball 40 times, or they'll run the ball 45 times, or they'll throw the ball to James White 15 times. You never know what to expect. You're not going to know when to play these guys. And hype is what you should take advantage of because you're not going to be able to reliably roll out Ramondre Stevenson, even if he is one of the main backs or the main back going forward. I mean, look what, look at Damian Harris. He's, he's been good some weeks. He's destroyed you other weeks. So maybe your eye test is telling you that Stevenson is better than, than Damian Harris. And I can't change your mind on that, but the metrics tell us a different story. So between that, the situation that they're in, you have guys like JJ Taylor, Brandon Bolden, uh, if James White comes back healthy next year, it's a very muddled backfield. It has always been and it will continue to be as long as Bill Belichick is there. So I just think Ramondre Stevenson is a guy that people think they hit the lottery with late in rookie drafts that they're really looking at fool's gold and you need to sell. Get out from under.
1: Yeah. What was it last week? I think I had Damian Harris as my sell, And if you're going to send that out to Ramondre Stevenson, yeah, I think they kind of fall in the same bucket right now. Mm-hmm. Um the allure with Ramondre Stevenson right now, I think, is the fact that he did miss some time earlier this year. And so in the minds of fantasy managers, you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe he just wasn't healthy so he didn't get his shot. But now here comes the overtaking. Now it's about to be his back. No, that doesn't happen under Bill Belichick. And even when it does, it's for a few weeks at a time, at most maybe an entire season, but it's nothing sustainable. So on the same, I'm on the same page as you, I think, about selling either one of these running backs, if you can get anything out of them. Uh, Stevenson... I think in the minds of fantasy managers, is a more complete back than Damian Harris. Maybe they see Harris as sort of that run first, goal line, early downs back, and Stevenson is more of a do it all back. But Damian Harris actually. Uh, profiled as much better pass catcher than Ramondre Stevenson coming out of college. Um, Look at playerprofiler.com and look at their two comparisons. It tells the whole story. Ramondre Stevenson's closest comparable is Peyton Barber. Not exactly known for his pass catching prowess where Damian Harris is mostly comparable to Damian Williams, a guy who is a good pass catching running back. So yeah, I think trying to mix and match, find the week to use the new England running back is not a game I'm ever interested in. So I'd much rather just have the value in draft picks. As far as Mac Jones, I'm okay with selling Mac Jones as well because of all the reasons you listed out. He's not going to run, and he's not going to have the volume that you need to give you fantasy points. Like I think what you're looking at is probably a little bit more efficient Baker Mayfield-type career, and it's not something you want for fantasy, and they're going to be very similar. And so if you can sell Mac Jones to someone who thinks he is Tom Brady and not Baker Mayfield, and you can recoup your value that way, I think it's worth it. That being said, I don't think you have to sell Mac Jones because if you're in a super flex or two QB format, he is going to be reliable. I think as that mid range QB two, which, has a place right and if you can get a couple of these higher ceiling guys you can play a mac jones as that super flex to sort of provide you a floor as that bye week fill-in like he will have this place in two qb league single quarterbacks now i'll be completely out he's never going to offer the ceiling of a top six quarterback which is what you really need in that format it's all team specific don't think you have to sell on super flex or two qb but i'm okay with it if you can upgrade if you can sell on where people think he's at go for it
0: and lastly it's worth mentioning as a contender you'd be starting these Patriots against a brutal remaining schedule. They see the Falcons this Thursday and then the red hot Titans, then the bills, the Colts, the bills again, and then the Jags, which have low key been a pretty good defense.
1: Yes. Against the run. Absolutely. We talked about it last week when we were talking about Damian Harris and I told you to sell and brought up that fantasy schedule. It's, it's brutal. The Colts, bills and Jags. Those are two of the best defenses in the league. And then the Jags, which are competent against the run, nothing else, but they're competent against the run.
0: So, if I told you you're a contender, would you, in a dynasty league, obviously, would you rather have Matt Stafford or Mac Jones? That's Stafford.
1: Pretty easily there. Stafford Stafford does provide a ceiling. Like, we've seen that so many times and he's got a pretty reliable floor too.
0: How many years do you think Stafford has left?
1: Dude, look at the NFL now. Look at quarterbacks now where Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, both in their play to their late 30s. Rodgers obviously still going. Brady going into his early 40s. Saw Drew Brees go to 40. Like, Stafford's only, what, 33, 34? Like, there's no reason to think you can't get three more years out of Matt Stafford. And we talk about it all the time. Trying to look more than three years in the future in fantasy is a fool's errand. So yeah. I'm not giving him any sort of discount because of his age.
0: And I think if, if if you're looking at a team that has Matt Stafford and they're not confident that they can compete for a championship this year, if you're a contender, I think you can get Matt Stafford for Mac Jones. You know, if there's a given situation, Good point, yeah. a, a team that you have, you could probably trade him straight up. Um, but that's just uh, you know a little tidbit there, but trying to tie together my buy with myself. But it's on yeah. you, but
1: You and I are doing a good job at sniffing each other's farts right now, being on the same page. Time for me to piss you off. <laughs> all right, time for my rebuild or sell. A couple of weeks ago, I told you to sell Tyler Boyd. I don't think anyone's had any issue with that over the last couple of weeks, half of which have been spent on buy. So, yeah, still sell Tyler Boyd. Myself for this week, and you knew it was going to happen at some point. I said it all off season. It's time to sell Travis Kelsey. It's time. Okay, Travis Kelsey, as you know, the 32-year-old tight end is the tight end one on the season. And just to recap something I touched on this offseason that I want to briefly remind you of. So he's just 55 yards away from moving into the fifth all-time in receiving yards at the tight end position. The top four guys ahead of him will be Tony Gonzalez, Jason Witten, Antonio Gates, and Shannon Sharp. Those four... Elite names played a combined 23 seasons at the age 32 or older. In 22 of those 23 seasons, they did not break a thousand yards. Tony Gonzalez was the only tight end of that group to have more than 77 catches. Now, Travis Kelsey, he's 32 years old and only 253 yards away from being just the second instance of that ever happening, ever going over a thousand yards. Like so he's going to be in that elite company. And as I said, he is the tight end one on the season. I don't want to discount that. But he is no longer providing that edge for fantasy that you're used to, that you drafted him, that you held him to be. Through week 10 of the season, Kelsey has outscored the tight end 12. So in theory, the worst starting tight end in your fantasy leagues by an average of 6.7 fantasy points per game, and that's to include all tight ends who have played at least half of their team's games. And I think the only one that disqualified from this year was Gronkowski, who's only played four of Tampa's games. So 6.7 fantasy points per game, a.k.a. a touchdown catch. And that's a pretty solid advantage over the tight end 12, but it's nothing like uh, Travis Kelsey was giving you off of previous seasons. Last year, Kelsey was outscoring the tight end 12 by an average of 11.4 points per game. In 2019, it was 7.4. In 2018, it was 9.2. So we're talking about nearly double digit. And in the case of 2020, double digit advantages every single week over the tight end 12. And that number is getting... A little bit closer to the average. Kelsey is no longer really that just an automatic 10 points better than the other tight end you're playing against. That really hasn't happened. He's still been the most consistent tight end in fantasy all year. No one could take that away from him. You had uh, an injury with Waller and just some inconsistent play from the Raiders. You saw, obviously, Kittle miss time. The only one who's really been in his same ballpark, I think, so far, has been Mark Andrews. And I think it's going to see more and more of these names continue to get into that conversation. So you have to go all the way back to 2016 when Patrick Mahomes was still slinging the rock for the Texas Tech Red Raiders that Travis Kelsey has provided as little of an impact at the tight end position as he had this season. He's been great. He's still great, but the ride is getting ready to pull into the station. And if you don't move on from Travis Kelsey in season, I'm telling you, this is a move that you need to make in season before your trade deadlines if possible. All right, because his value is going to take a hit this offseason. Kansas City, we've seen what they've tried to do over the last few years. They've reportedly been in multiple times over the past year in acquiring another notable pass catcher for the offense to include names like Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham just this last week or two, and even taking a flyer on Josh Gordon. So what's to say that this offseason, with the cap finally moving back into the black after that tough year, we don't see them actually connect on one of these attempts. I expect them to pull the trigger either in free agency or the draft because in spite of a return to form last week, the offense has shown throughout the majority of the season that they are not infallible. So they're going to attempt to upgrade. Ask yourself if going into this next season, you're still willing to pull the trigger on Travis Kelsey as a top five overall pick in fantasy, the way that fantasy managers were doing it coming into the season. For me, that's a resounding no. The only time I was able to... or willing, I guess, to pull the trigger in the early first on Travis Kelsey was tight end premium. I don't even think that's a shoe in and tight end premium anymore. Okay. This is not to say that he's not the tight end one in fantasy, but he's not providing you the same edge that we're used to seeing from Travis Kelsey. And I want to extend this out. This is not just for rebuilders, but I want to extend it out to anyone who is either not winning a championship in 2021 or has a usable replacement at the tight end position. And what does that mean? Usable replacement the following names george kittle darren waller kyle pitts those ones are obvious mark andrews tj Hawkinson, or noah fant if i have one of those tight ends on my roster i'm using this last opportunity to cash in for one of probably the greatest fantasy tight end of all time
0: hmm. hey you said you were going to piss me off but you don't because you're you're saying as a rebuilder or somebody who has one of those tight ends that you mentioned like yeah i would i would totally agree with you it's time to sell travis kelsey Honestly, you should have sold him a few weeks ago or a few months ago before the season started because everybody got to see the kink in the armor for Kansas City. Everyone got to see what a not-dominant offense looks like. And it looks like Travis Kelsey still being the tight end one, but like you mentioned, not being nearly as dominant as he has been throughout his career. So I agree with you. He is no longer the tight end one in Dynasty because what we've seen, and his value kind of just slowly but surely decreasing. Let, notice I said slowly because I don't think he's going to have it right. down twenty twenty two. You know, I still think he's going to be really good. He, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he still finishes as a tight end one next year. But if you're a rebuilder, what are you holding the tight end one who is thirty two years old? What are you holding him for? Not for any smart. It, it's not a smart decision at all, in my opinion. I mean, you look at his contract. They have a potential out next year in his contract not that they would use it yeah but but it's just it's a sign of the times are changing for travis kelsey he's probably not going to get another major contract extension if he sticks around in town for another three four five years even it's going to be on lower money uh it's going to be more as a legacy roster spot than than a uh, a truly game-changing roster spot that they that they've given him over the past few years and like you said in the draft, they have they have some draft capital, and this is a good year to need wide receivers. Next year is a good year to need tight ends. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, maybe not this draft, but the next draft, they look to the draft for tight ends. There's a few top-notch tight ends, not quite Kyle Pitts-level prospects, um, but really good tight end prospects coming in 2023. Um, so look for that. Obviously, we're looking way down the line now, but look for that as a time for them to replace him. I still think you have another year or two left to use him, and that's why you should give him to a contender for the right price.
1: So let me let me ask you this. If you are a contender, I laid out the names for the guys that, if I have them, again, that's Kittle, Waller, Pitts, Andrews, Hawkinson, or Fant. If I have them, I'm trading Kelsey even if I am a contender. Where does that list stop for you? Not Fant. Not Fant? Okay. No, that's fair. He, he was sort of a stretch, but... Mm-hmm. I do predict, as I do with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, that that offense, as soon as it gets a quarterback, is going to shoot to the moon. So I decided to throw a fan on that list also.
0: I agree with you with the other five. Um, okay. Gusecki would be a question, but he's been kind of inconsistent as of late, so that's concerning. he's
1: been He's been the beneficiary of all the injuries to the pass catchers yeah. in Miami. Does his role stay like that or anything close to that if anyone ever gets healthy? Probably not. But is anyone ever going to get healthy among Devontae Parker or Will Fuller? Probably not also. Yeah. so I mean, we we're talking about
0: inconsistency. At, I mean, TJ Hawkinson just scored as many points sure. as I did this past week. Yeah, and, yikes. And uh, he's still firmly in that list of guys. <laughs> Him and Gesicki both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I agree with you. He definitely didn't make me mad. All right, man, you ready for the final segment? Let's go. Do you remember? All right, so, I put down in the show sheet, Cleveland great. Now, am I supposed guy, to guess? No, no. LeBron
1: James? No. Oh.
0: No. I'm pulling up his pro football reference page right now. I don't want to, you know, disparage the guy's name by not giving him accurate statistics.
1: Oh, uh, am right. I going to guess this one?
0: You can if you'd like. Uh, tight end for Cleveland.
1: Oh, oh, yes. Gary Bartich. Gary
0: Bartich. Hello. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Knew it. Cleveland great should have given it away. Did you know that he didn't start on Cleveland? He started for another team. Did he? What team was it? He was drafted in the fifth round in 2008 by the Carolina Panthers.
1: No, I don't remember that at all. Obviously, this would have been playing behind Greg Olson, so not seeing the field very often. No, I don't remember him. In he also went to
0: uh, he went to Louisville. I, I'm sure you saw they, they uh, retired Lamar Jackson's jersey. Yep. If you yep. squint your eyes, you can see the Gary Barnage jersey that they retired up Did there. they retire the no, Barnage no, jersey?
1: No. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah had me <be laughs> for a minute.
0: Uh, but, yeah, he went to Louisville 2008 fifth round pick to Carolina. Spent four years there. And then in Cleveland, his big breakout year in 2015, he had 125 targets, 79 receptions, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns.
1: His breakout year and also the last good year he had. Yeah,
0: he only had one year after that. 2016 was his last year in football.
1: Really? So he saw the wheels falling off, and he decided to get out in front of it and say, "No, before I waste into nothing, I'm just done."
0: I wonder if he got like a little contract or something. Maybe he had a ton of incentives in his contract, and was like, "All right, I'm out. I can I can live off this now."
1: Did you have any? Do you remember having any teams with him on it that year that he had that good season? Because he was yeah. a waiver
0: wire guy. Every, you know Nobody oh, drafted yeah. Gary Barnett. So, and he finished yeah. like top six. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was uh, one of those great like one-year wonder tight ends. I feel like there's always one or mm-hmm. two. Um, this year, oh, man, who is it? Kosecki. Yeah, I guess Kisecki, But I mean, he I mean he's know. had decent years.
1: Oh, well, well, you got a few other names too. You could say if you're not sold on uh, – I almost called him Dallas Clark. Plays for Dallas, sorry. Uh, if you're not oh, sold – on Dalton Schultz, right? He could be one of them. We've never so really seen him. had a like few that.
0: bomb weeks.
1: He yeah, but he's been, been so bad. bad the other weeks that he still yeah. won't finish anywhere near the top 12. Uh, like, as good as those two or three weeks were.
0: I really can't think of anybody else. Like uh, It's got to be Schultz. Yeah, it's Schultz for sure.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Dalton Schultz. Your name <laughs> just got written in the death book. Yeah,
0: you and Gary Barnage side by side.
1: If you want to keep your name out of our death book. Let me try again. If you want to keep our name out of our... Damn it. If you want to... Uh, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Please follow us on Twitter. At FFlexicution, F-L-E-X-E-C-U-T-I-O-N. Follow me on Twitter at FFMasterDebater. Holy shit I proofread all my tweets, I swear.
0: Oh, dude. I, I haven't been recording this whole time.
1: You serious? No. Oh, why are you doing that to me? <laughs>
0: See you guys. (laughs) Have a good week. Talk to you next time. Peace.